You know, this is a time of year where we look back and we think to ourselves of uh, everything that has happened over the past year. Uh, In just a week or two, we're going to have a a message that helps us to look back at the year for Christ's legacy. But today, as we look back at, at the year... And especially on this day, we, we begin to formulate New Year's resolutions. No laughter? Good. <laughs> that means that everybody that made a resolution last year was successful. No? Okay, maybe not. You know, the truth of the matter is, is that that maybe your resolution last year was to to get into shape or to eat right or or to save money or spend less time on your phone or to spend more time with your family or, 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 or whatever it was. We, most of us, many of us choose to make resolutions because at a natural dividing point, at a natural start, ending point and beginning point, we have some time to to think back and and think to ourselves, what can we do to make this coming year even better in our lives? And, And for many of us, we would choose, because it didn't work out so well, we would choose to make our resolutions smaller. But my challenge to you is to not go smaller, but to go bigger, to go bigger. The, the truth is, is that my, my resolutions didn't work out so well last year. I'm going to be honest. You know, I had some resolutions to, to get into better shape, to, to, to get more discipline, to use my time more effectively. And it's not that I got a whole lot worse. I just didn't get a whole lot better. Well, you don't have to be so obvious on that. Thank you very much. But I didn't get a whole lot better. And it's true. And and so this year, as I look back at my life and I look at how what I've done, I have determined that God doesn't want me to scale down my resolutions, but perhaps God wants me to scale them up. So I want you to take a moment and consider what resolutions that you made and how you did on them. Anybody do pretty good on them? We've got a mic roaming around. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) Just joking. You know, if you're like most Americans, matter of fact, 81% of Americans, you have failed your resolution by February. That's not great. That's not a good track record. It just took four weeks and you failed. And that's 81% by February. Many upon many of us are going to fail within the first seven days. As a matter of fact, some of us make really good, important, strong decisions today and you've forgotten about them by tomorrow morning. (laughs) It's just the way it works. But perhaps as you look back on 2023, you, you realize that you have been successful in many areas and God has blessed you in many areas. But maybe you're here today and you look back and you, you also would admit that there was some pain. There was some heartache. There was some unexpected surprises that caused trouble in your life. Maybe even tragedy. If you're here this morning, that's just a part of life. That we have victories 
And sometimes we go through difficulties and trials. But as we go through these, these things, I want us to know that, that our pain and our hurt in the past shouldn't influence, influence us from diminishing the, the God-sized dream that he has for us in this new year. I think at times that we fail our resolutions, not because they were too big, but because they weren't big enough. They weren't important enough. They weren't big enough for us to trust God with because we thought we could do them on our own. And so today I want us to make resolutions that are so big, they scare us. I want us to make resolutions that are so big that we know that they're impossible unless we trust God to help us with them in the future. I believe that God wants 2024 to be bigger and better than 2023. If you're here this morning and you believe that, say amen. Amen. I hope that you're not saying amen because I told you to, because I want you to walk out of here believing that 2024 is going to be a year that the Lord has made for you. So turn in your Bibles today to 1 Chronicles chapter 4. I, I want to... Take a moment to ask you to turn there. If you're following us on the Bible app, you'll be able to see all of our notes there uh, online this morning. But if you've got your Bibles with you, you can, man, you can go right there. First Chronicles chapter 4. We're going to begin, begin reading in just a moment at verse 9. But before you do that, this is uh, First Chronicles chapter 4. This is about, if you're joining us for a read the Bible through the year plan at Christ's Legacy, this is about the time where you're going to start falling off the wagon, so to speak. First Chronicles, the first uh, chapter through the ninth chapter is genealogies. Okay? List of 900 names or thereabouts of people in the lineage right there that you can study and you can look through. And many people feel like they're boring. Perhaps if you're not a genealogist or a scholar, you too will find them unappealing to read through and comb over. But in the middle of all the genealogy, something interesting happens. The chronicler, the author of Chronicles, stops. And he says one name and mentions something very important about that one name. First Chronicles chapter 4, starting in verse 9. There was a man named who? Jabez, who was more honorable than any of his brothers. His mother named him Jabez because his birth had been so painful. And there we find out a little bit about Jabez. In the middle of all of the text, all of the names, all of the things that are going on, some 900 names, we find this man. And this man's name is Jabez. For us, a name is just a name. Um, you know, if you're a millennial in here or even, even younger than a millennial, you'll realize that you're naming your kids uh, something just to be different. Congratulations, there's another name to add to your list of different names. But here in this, in this culture, in this Texas society, 
we find that a name is very important because it carries a, an important meaning. And this mother saw fit that she would name her son Jabez because the name actually means to be distressed or cause pain. It's like your mother naming you pain in the neck. <laughs> How would you feel if every time you heard your name, you were reminded that your mother thinks you're a pain in the neck? Some people don't have to imagine that. <laughs> and the truth is, is that many times we go through our life believing, maybe not in our, the name that we were given, but the name that we have been called by others. That, that there was some kind of pain, the trauma or, or tragedy in our lives that caused us to think to ourselves that, that, that we are the cause of our pain. And maybe rightfully so, maybe you've done something that has, has messed up your life, that has caused you pain, that has caused you and others around you trauma because of words that you said or, or decisions that you, that you made because the actions that you took, there's pain in your life and it spilled onto others. And so you began to think and dream about these things in your life and everything in your life is influenced through that one moment, that one decision, that one action. It's painful. It's painful. Growing up is difficult. And perhaps you even begin to believe it yourself that everywhere you go, everything that you do, everything that you touch just kind of messes up. I don't know about you, but sometimes I kind of feel like that about me, uh, that, that, I, that I, there's not much I can do and I, I can get right. I, I, I'm a little bit pessimistic by nature. And so it, it, it makes it hard for me to look at myself and think that anything else about myself. But I want you to know that, that it could be easy to allow a painful past to limit a future that God has in store for you. But I want us this morning to continue to read about Jabez here in verse 10. It says, he was, one of, he was the one who, who prayed to the God of Israel. And watch this. Oh, that you would what? Bless me, and that you would expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do, and keep me from all trouble and pain. And then what follows is truly amazing. And God granted him his, him his request. In a list of names, in a sea of, of people, all we know about Jabez is in two verses. But those two verses are amazing. That he was more honorable than his brothers. And he prayed a small prayer that had a big impact on his life. And I believe that God is calling us to pray a small prayer as we walk into a new year. That will have a big impact in your life. As we begin to make resolutions in our lives, you and I can pray this prayer and make these resolutions in our life. And we can see God begin to move in us and through us. If you believe it, 
say amen. amen. I believe that God wants us to prosper. Some of us, when we hear that word prosper, our minds reflect on, on prosperity teaching that you see on, on, on TV preachers sometimes. And it has this negative connotation. And, and perhaps there's some people out there or even out in the world that would, would have a problem with prosperity teaching. And maybe even rightly so, because in some instances, in many of the times we see it, it's taught incorrectly. But I don't believe that we should avoid what the scriptures speak about God wanting his people to prosper because other people teach it incorrectly. I believe that we serve a loving God. I believe a God that desires to love us and bless us and cause his people that dedicate themselves to him to prosper. If you don't believe me, Psalm 512 tells us that for you bless me, uh, for you bless the godly, O Lord, you surround them with your shield of love. God chooses to bless the godly. Amen. But the real question is not, is not, does God bless the godly? The real question is, why does God bless the godly? Why would God want to bless you? Why would God want to bless me? God doesn't want to bless me just to bless me. He doesn't want to bless you just so that you have more stuff. There's something significant about the reason that God wants to bless you. And so I want us to take a look at the word prosperity in Hebrew. Prosperity in Hebrew is a word called shalom. Turn to each other and say shalom. Now, many people believe that that word simply means peace. And the word peace or shalom is a good translation. But our understanding of the word peace is inadequate. As a matter of fact, peace is a little bit more complicated than just an absence of conflict. And if you don't believe that, try having four kids. When there's an absence of conflict, there, there means that there's something wrong and something about to happen. <laughs> Peace means something far greater than an absence of conflict. It means, it means flourishing, success, well-being, and lacking nothing. As we enter this new year, our God wants to prosper us. He wants us to flourish, to be successful, for us to have well-being, and for us not to lack anything. Genesis chapter 26, starting in verse 12, the question is still there. Why does God want to bless us. Then Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a, a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper, somebody say prosper, and continued prospering, say prospering, until he became very prosperous. God doesn't have a problem with the word prosper. Praise God for that. And I don't think that you and I should have a problem with, what, with that word either. See, if God is not afraid to say it, I don't think that you and I should be afraid to say it or even believe it. But why does God want us to prosper? 3 John chapter 1, verse 2 tells us, Beloved, 
I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. But why? Why does God want this for ourselves? Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. I, meaning the Lord, will make you into a, a great nation. I will bless you and I will make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. There it is. That's the reason that God wants to prosper you. That's the reason that God wants to bless you. It's not so that you can have more stuff, not so that we can feel better about ourselves, but he wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing to somebody else. Come on, somebody say amen. See, I wonder if we're willing to make a New Year's resolution to be, a, to be blessed by God so that we can in turn bless somebody else. I wonder if there's some people in this room that will be, uh, make a resolution that you will absolutely believe that God will do the impossible in your life. That God will bless you in such a dramatic way that you can turn around and bless somebody else because of what God is doing in your life. You see, God God has a funny way of prospering us because to God, it means that we can do just so much, but then God comes behind us and pushes us even further. And that is God's definition of prosperity, that God will take us farther than we ourselves can go. We should be so blessed that, that God not only meets our need, but gives us more than what we need so that we can turn around and put it back in to his kingdom so that we can turn around and bless somebody else and do something for his glory. If you believe that, say amen this morning. Praise God. So I want us to look at the prayer of Jabez. I want us to try to understand just exactly what God has asked or what we're asking for God and just exactly how God intends on giving it to us. Number one, Jabez prayed for a blessing. And so I think that we should pray for blessing in our lives. Now I real, realize that some of us are making this exactly the opposite of our new year's resolution. Not that, not that, uh, that, that God wouldn't bless you, but that God would shrink your territory. <laughs> that's as, that's as good as it gets. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> First Chronicles chapter four, verse 10. Oh, that you would bless me. I, I literally looked at the definition of, oh, <laughs> why in some places does an author or does a commentator or does a writer say, oh, that you would bless me? Why not say, bless me, but instead, oh, that you would bless me. And in this moment, Jabez prays a prayer, not just of logic, not just of, of looking around and making an observation. He is saying it out of his soul. He is saying it with emotion. We realize that it's not just a strategy. It's a desire that God would bless him. Oh, that he would bless him. It reminds me 
of my kids. See, my, my kids don't have a problem in the world asking me and my wife for anything. They come, can I have some gummies? Can I have a snack? Can I have more food? Can I have milk? Can I have, can I, can I watch TV? Can I go out and play, play? Can I go stay the night at somebody's? I mean to tell you, it is never ending the questions that our kids will ask us. And if you have one of those kids, you know what I'm talking about. It is just constant asking, asking, asking. And they are not afraid. They are not ashamed. They will ask you in front. They will interrupt your conversation to ask you a question. And they expect an answer. And, and it, is, it is a joy that I have that I get to say yes, or my wife gets to say yes, if it is good for our kids. We love giving them what they're asking for when they're asking for something that we want for them. Daddy, can I, can I eat dinner and all the broccoli on my plate? Yes. You want some more? I'll put some more on your plate, baby. Daddy, can I go outside and play and stop stop breaking stuff in the house? Absolutely. Stay outside an extra 10 minutes. But there's sometimes our kids ask for something that's not good for them. I mean, I, I've got four kids. I will not name any names because I want the innocent to remain innocent. And I don't want to cast blame on another child. But one of my children came up to me and said, Daddy, can I have a lighter? <laughs> you know, the lighter that we use to light the fireplace or the candles. And instantly, red flags, right? <laughs> I know I'm not going to say yes to this request. Well, let's just see where this goes. What do you want to use it for? A project? What? We talked about it for a little while, but they wouldn't tell me why. So I said, you know what? I don't think it's a good idea. I'm sorry. No. Just a little bit later, I saw the dog running away from one of the kids, running into a room. I can only assume that the project had to do with a dog and a lighter. I am so grateful that I didn't give the lighter to my kid. It would have been bad. You know, I love saying yes when it's good for them, but I, I'm grateful that, that I say no when it's bad for them and others and dogs. The truth is that we're kind of like children to God. As a matter of fact, God refers to us as children. We are his children. And so as his children, we shouldn't have a problem going to him and asking and praying and, and requesting that God does something for our lives. But sometimes it's okay that God says no, because it's not good for us. But we should trust him and pray and ask him. As a matter of fact, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, Jesus even tells us how to, how to effectively pray. He says, keep on asking and you'll receive what you're asking for. Keep on seeking and you'll find, keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Your, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if you ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. 
And listen to this, verse 11. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give, give good gifts to those who ask him? See, I think that God wants us to ask him to bless our lives. It should become a prayer that we ask God to bless us. I want this church to be a church filled with blessed people. I want us to be blessed. God wants you to be blessed. But perhaps you're here and you feel like God shouldn't bless you because you've given into temptation or, or you struggle in certain areas that somehow you haven't earned or deserved a blessing that God that you would choose to ask God to give you. And so because you have guilt and shame in your life, you choose not to ask for that blessing because you wouldn't give it to yourself if you were God. May I kindly tell you, family member, that you've missed the whole point of grace. You've missed the message of mercy in his word and in the gospel. That's the good news, that you and I don't have to earn it, that we can't deserve it. But God chooses to give us that blessings, not because we've earned it, not because we deserve it, but because he loves us. Now, I'm not saying that you and I can live however we want to live and expect to be blessed by God. Oh, no. You must come to God on his terms. You must determine to live a life that is honoring to him. But when you do so, ladies and gentlemen, God will choose to bless you and I. See, baby, my babies, they, they didn't really do anything to earn or deserve me and my wife to care for them. I mean, if we're going to be honest, all they did was, was cry and need to change their diapers and for us to carry them around. They, they took more than they gave. They, I don't remember my babies giving me anything except the little cuddles and love. That's not nothing, okay? But they didn't, certainly didn't earn all that they got. They received the care, the compassion, the love, and the blessing as much as I was able to give, as much as Claudia was able to give. Why? Because we love them. And that's our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And if you don't ask it because you don't think you've earned it or deserved it, you're right. You haven't. But it shouldn't keep us from asking. It's time that we get over the pain of our past, the disappointment of what has happened to us. It's time that we get over the guilt and the shame when we live under the blood of Jesus. That sin is gone. It's cast as far as the east and west. And you and I can walk confidently and boldly into the throne room of God and make our requests known. And the God of our creation, our loving heavenly Father, will give you a blessing because you've asked for it. See, we must be willing to walk into the area where Christ stands in the future, asking for him to give us a blessing and, he, and trust him that he'll respond to it. Why does God want to bless our lives? He wants to bless us so that we can turn around and bless somebody else. The next thing that Jabez prayed for is that he prayed for influence. God, that you would expand my territory. 
As his territory began to expand, his influence would begin to expand. His resources began to expand. Notice that these one build off of the other. When God begins to bless you, that God begins to bless your resources and the resources give you influence over people and circumstances in your life. What what does the same prayer look like in our life? What does that mean for us that God would choose to expand our influence? I am so grateful and thankful for all the volunteers that serve in and around Christ's legacy. There's so many people. We have so many greeters here at Christ's legacy. We have uh, uh, children's workers. We have folks that come in and help us set up and break down and set back up again. We have special events and we have all these various things going on at Christ's legacy. And there's so many people willing to serve. But I believe that God is calling us into a year where he challenges us to expand our influence. What does that mean? If you've been a greeter for a long time, I don't want you to not be a greeter, but perhaps you would consider stepping up into another role, into a role where you lead a small group, a role where you teach a class, a role where you 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 decide that the Lord has called you to, to serve on our worship team as a musician or a singer. A role where your influence is beginning to expand. Why? Because God hasn't called us to stay where we started. We are called to grow. We are called to grow in our giving, the giving of our time, our talent, and our treasure. We are called to to serve in a deeper and more profound way, a way that, that has influence over others. God wants us to have influence, not just so that we can feel more important, but because he desires for your life and for your gifts to influence others for his kingdom. Amen. Amen. The next thing that Jabez prayed for was he prayed for his presence. So you and I must pray for God's presence as we see one of these prayers, uh, as you see one of these prayers, each one of these resolutions progresses on the next one. So we prayed for God's blessing. And because we prayed for his blessing, he blessed us and our resources grew and, and our gifts grew. And, and so we, we pray and ask the Lord that he would increase our influence. And as he increases our influence, we need his presence in our lives. That, that, that blessing, influence, and presence. Say it with me. Blessing, influence, and presence. And many times in scripture, we find out that that when it talks about God's hand over someone, that it's actually talking about the presence of God in their lives. Acts chapter 11, verse 21, the Lord's hand was with them. And a great number of, the, of people believed and turned to the Lord. When God's hand is over us, his presence is on us. Jabez prayed for God's presence, that the Lord would be with him. 
And I believe that God is calling us to step up into influential places and to use our influence to influence others for his kingdom. And when we do that, God desires to put his hand over us, to anoint you to do his work. I, I believe that God, if God is calling us to resolve to step into a bigger year, to step into a, a year of the Lord, that we're going to have to have God's presence at work in our lives. See, God loves to choose people that can't do it on their own. As a matter of fact, he loves to choose the most unlikely person to do what he's calling them to do. We see it over and over again in scripture. We see King David's life and how it turned out, but how did it start? The youngest of eight, the most insignificant, so insignificant in fact, that his own father Jesse didn't even bring him in to, be, to, to, to have a chance to be a king. Ghost out there with the sheep. We see Moses supposed to lead millions of people. And he stammers and stutters. He's afraid to speak. We see people like Paul. Paul being the most profound, prof prolific New Testament author, writing over half of the New Testament, was a murderer of Christians. Why does God use people I can't do it? Why does God use me? Why, do you, why does he use us? Because if they were uniquely gifted, if we were uniquely gifted to do what he's called us to do, then he wouldn't receive the glory and the honor for it all. But God delights to empower people that are not able to do it on their own. Because at the end of it, when it's done, we step back and say, but God. And each one of us is called to believe and dream in a bigger dream than what we can do ourselves and to make bigger resolutions this year than what we can do ourselves. Not because we're crazy, but because we believe in a God that is able to do the impossible, that is able to do exceedingly impossible, more than we can ever, ever imagine or think. You and I are called to have God's presence, not so that we can feel better about ourselves, but so we can share his presence with others. Finally, Jabez prayed for protection. Blessing, influence, presence, and protection. Why protection? Why is it at the very end? Why not at the very beginning? You see, as you begin to progressively serve God, as you begin to, to love him and serve him, you begin to face the enemy in new ways. I, uh, I loved to run track. My, I was a, a sprinter, very, 
very fast athlete, 100, 200, 400, 55, all these sprints. And so, so the coach asked me to step over in football and, and be a running back and a, and a defensive back. I, I played in those positions. I loved it. But the very worst thing I ever did was special teams. Because I knew in special teams that I was gonna be the one that got the ball, or I was gonna be one that ran all the way down and was the first tackle. And, and to have two guys running at full speed hit each other is not fun. See, I loved catching the ball. I loved running with the ball. I just hated the impact. But you see, it was never until I started running towards my goal. It was never until I started running towards the team's goal that I got tackled. The team didn't care if I ran backwards. They wouldn't tackle me then. The team didn't care when I was standing over on the sidelines. My own teammates didn't ever tackle me. It was only whenever I had the ball and I was running towards the goal that I got tackled. Family, many of you, many of us haven't been tackled in a meaningful way, in a way that caused hurt and pain. But then again, there's many of us in this room that know exactly what I'm talking about. If I can be transparent up here as your pastor, I wanna tell you that sometimes I struggle sitting down and writing a message, writing a sermon. Not because I don't have God's direction. Not because I don't clearly understand where God is taking our church. But because I'm scared. Because I know that when I begin to speak about it, the Lord deals in my heart about it. And I have to begin running in that direction. And I have a target on my back. I can't tell you how many times that I've preached about God's healing when one of my babies was, were at home sick. I can't tell you how many times I begin to, to preach about being strong and faithful in the Lord. Meanwhile, I was eaten up with anxiety in my heart, in my soul. I can't tell you how many times I, I stood up here and I preached my guts out, knowing that the enemy was attacking my family. But I have enough experience. I'm wise enough just like us in this room to know exactly the devil's schemes and how he tries to work in our lives. When you begin to run in the direction God has for you, the enemy of your soul will come after you. As a matter of fact, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, stay alert, watch out, your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So we pray. And we pray for God's protection in our lives that God would keep us safe from evil and from pain. It's far superior to pray that God would keep us away from it than God taking us, taking it out of us. This morning, perhaps though, you're here and you're still struggling with the pain of last year. You're still struggling with hurt 
and you're struggling to make your resolution because you're so disappointed in this past year that you're scared to look forward to this next year. Christ's legacy family, 2024 is the year of the Lord. 2024 is the year that God is going to choose to bless you, your family, and this church. 2024 is a year of God's protection and provision for our life. Why does God want to protect you? It's so that you can continue to serve him and others. Would you stand all over this place with me? God wants to bless us, to give us influence, to give us his presence and give us his protection. With less than 12 hours away, no, no, it's all right, just a little more than 12 hours away. It's not quite noon. God desires for us to make a resolution in our hearts and our lives that 2024 is gonna be bigger and better than ever before. But perhaps you're here this morning and you know that you're not right with God. You haven't made good decisions in your life that's led you to do wrong things and those wrong things in your life are causing you guilt and shame. My friend, there's only one way around the guilt and shame of your heart in your life. It's called sin. And there's only one way to be delivered from sin and that is to come to the Lord, to admit that we're a sinner, that we've made mistakes in our life and that we can't our life on our own, that we need not only his forgiveness, but his leadership in our life. And when we dedicate our hearts and our lives to him, he comes in such a profound way and not only removes the sin, but cleanses us from all unrighteousness and lives with us. We're promised not only love, joy, and peace here, but we're promised a hope for tomorrow. It's such an amazing transaction that we give him our sin our shame our pain and he gives us joy and love and peace my friend if you're here to get today it's time to get right with the Lord would you bow your head and close your eyes all around this place Heavenly Father we love you and we're so thankful and grateful for the work that you're doing in our hearts and our lives Holy Spirit, we've prayed and asked, Lord, that you would be in this place. And by your nature, you're drawing each of us close to Christ Jesus. I pray, Lord, that if there's a person within the sound of my voice in this room or online that needs to get right with you, Lord, Lord, that they would give you themselves at this time, in this moment with your head still bowed and eyes still closed. If you're here this morning, you'd say, Pastor John, I'm not right with the Lord. I want to commit myself to him. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up so I can pray with you? I won't ask you to step out. I won't ask to embarrass you. Thank you. But if you need to get right with the Lord, thank you. Yes, this is your moment. You're going to step into the new year right with him. This is a perfect year. This is the time 
to make things right. And there's two hands. Looking all around just for a moment longer, are there any more that need to be right with the Lord? I'm looking. I'm looking all around. Praise God. Yes, thank you. I see you. Praise God. Heavenly Father, you see the hands that have been lifted in this place this morning. We're so delighted that they have made a decision, Lord, to follow you with their whole hearts and lives. Lord, in these next few moments, days, weeks, months, years, and the rest of eternity, I pray, God, that they would know you to be their Lord and their Master and their Savior and their friend. But Lord, that you would be their soon coming King along with the rest of us. And Lord, that we would stand firm on the promises that you've given to us. Lord Jesus, Lord, thank you for forgiving them of their sin. Thank you for cleansing them of all unrighteousness. And thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving us an eternity to look forward to. Hallelujah. All right, everybody look up here for one moment because you're here and it's time to make resolutions. It's time to commit yourself to the Lord. Right now in this moment, instead of coming down to the altar, I want to ask you to join hands with your family, your friends, those that you came with. Maybe you're a guest this morning. You don't have any friends or family. Maybe you, a family, if, you have, if you're a family, would you just adopt somebody into your family right now and pray with them that God would bless you, that God would provide for you, that God would give you influence, that God would give you his presence, that God would give you his protection this year. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you. And we're so thankful, Lord, that you have blessed us, Lord Jesus, that you've given us influence, Lord, that you've given us your presence, that you've given us your protection. But as we stand on this precipice, overlooking a perfect year because it hasn't happened yet, Lord, I pray, God, that our hearts and our lives would be committed to you, that we resolve, Lord, like Jabez resolved to ask you for these things. And Lord, that you would be faithful just like you were faithful to Jabez. And Lord, that you would grant us everything that we ask for. Lord, that we would be a people, a family, a church, Lord, that is that prospers. Lord, because you are prospering us. Lord, let us stand and as example, Lord, of what you are willing to do in the hearts and lives of the believers that are solely and fully committed to you. Oh, Lord Jesus, bless us indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you believe that, if you want to make that your resolution, if that's your prayer this morning, would you just give him the glory right now? Would you just give him a clap right now? Lord, we love you. We praise you. Praise God. This morning, I want you to know that we are going to be a church that is blessed. I want to tell you something, that 2024 has in store some big things for Christ's legacy. But no matter how big and no matter how different, Christ's legacy is going to be a place where people can find God, give hope, and do life together. So let's go into this new year, amen? Amen. God bless you.